Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Well, welcome. Thank you, Kenny and Kat, again for opening up your home to us, this beautiful, beautiful home. And uh, thank you all for coming as well. You know, I, um, I know we've got a couple of uh, new families here today. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, I was just telling somebody earlier, it, it always reminds me that this whole thing started when me and my family just said, we have family nights on Friday nights. Anybody have family night? And we knew that God had called us to be a part of this new work of bringing heaven to earth. But we honestly... I was okay if it wasn't a church. If this, is this a prayer movement? Is this an apostolic network? Whatever that means. If this is this a church? What it? What is this going to be? And I was wide open, saying God. And but I knew He put on my heart. Just gather your family together and pray. Do dinner together and just worship me as a family. And so we did. And then Kenny and Kat said, "Hey, we don't have a church either. Can we? Can we join you guys? And can we do dinner? And can we have it at our house?" We're like, "Yeah, cool." And so we did. And so we would just gather on Friday nights at their house and our families would hang out and have fun together and we would worship together. We didn't do any teaching for probably a year, I guess. And we just gathered to worship and pray and really believe God that we would be able to hear from him for ourselves. That was a big thing. We wanted to make sure that people weren't just wanting to hear the word of the Lord from the man of God or from a podcast, and I love podcasts, I'm all about some podcasts, but it wasn't just always secondhand. But if you're a part of God's family, you're a son or a daughter. And I've realized that when I tell one of my kids to tell their brother or sister something, it always ends up being a little bit different than the way I communicated it to my kids. Not necessarily wrong, just a little bit of a different perspective, right? So if I ask one kid, Hey, Jai, can you ask your sister to go pick up her shoes? It's, hey, Dad wants you to pick up your shoes and clean my room. (laughs) Not quite, right? But if it comes directly from me, then it doesn't go through those perspectives sometimes. We really believe strongly, uh, because it's what God's Word says, is He wants to communicate with us directly. And I'm all for teaching. Teaching is actually one of the five um, ascension gifts in the Bible. God gives the church teachers. The teaching has a key role. But it can't replace your own ability to hear from God. And by the way, your own ability from God can't replace the necessity of good teaching either. Both of those things work hand in hand. So we began just meeting together, and people started getting prophetic words. They started getting words of knowledge. They started hearing God for themselves. And I was like, wow, this stuff works. This is great. You know, I knew it did. Um, And then other people started coming and said, we heard what's happening. I'm like, how did you hear what's happening? We're not even a church. We don't have a website. I'm terrible at social media, still am. And they just kept coming. And then people started getting healed. Often, like more frequently healed than not. And then people are like, okay, I'm bringing my sick friends. I'm bringing my all of these things started happening, and pretty soon we outgrew that house, and we went up renting a synagogue for a year, which was awesome. Um, then that building sold, so we rented another church on Sunday nights. We transitioned to Sunday nights, and 
and that went well for us. And then COVID hit, and our lease ran out. The timing of it was kind of perfect. The circumstances weren't great, but it meant that we didn't have to pay rent when the building was actually closed. And that church, I think, is still not meeting. Um, and so we kind of went back. We said, well, we, we know how to do this in a house. Let's just do this in a house. It's going to take a few more houses now. <laughs> but I love it. And so, Kenny, I just appreciate you, man. And I just know ministry with you guys is going to be a long-term thing with your family. And uh, I love seeing many more people added to the family as this has continued to grow. So we've got another house church that meets uh, actually at the same time as this one on Chicks Beach. It starts at 930, and Paul Sinkus leads that one. And this morning they had a, a few baptisms this morning. Um, Paul and I actually led a guy to the Lord on Tuesday of, yeah, this, this past week. And I think he's one of the guys getting baptized. And so it's just pretty cool what God's doing isn't it, you know? And so we, we are still looking for potentially a venue to have larger meetings so we can kind of gather the whole family together. It's, I don't think we could do that right now, um, with the facilities that we have, but we're looking at doing both the house church thing and the venue thing as well too. But we're in no rush. We've never felt pressure to have to have something because God just keeps blessing whatever it is that we have that he's given us if we stay obedient to him and what he's actually called us to do. Does that make sense? I don't know why I gave you the history of Seashore Church, but there you go. When my wife looks at me and just kind of smiles, that smile is, why are you doing this? Move on. And she beautifully does it so well, so lovingly and so beautifully. Today, I actually want to um, continue what we started last week, a message called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And last week, I used beautiful Sarah uh, as an example that she is expecting a child um, very soon. But when you are that pregnant, you're beautifully pregnant, you're not hoping and wishing, you're expecting the, bu- the Bible. We would say that you are expecting a child. And when we make a decision to become part of God's family. And by the way, that decision is only a response to the invitation of heaven that's crying out to us and welcoming us into the kingdom of God, the family of God. Our decision to follow Jesus is a response to that invitation. We're not begging and asking God, let me in. We're not knocking on the door hoping to come in. He's the one knocking at the door. All we have to do is open it. And the Bible says he will come in into our hearts. And so we are responding to this invitation of love to join his family. Many people think now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm in God's family, now that I'm on the kingdom, where is my to-do list? Where is my, what do I have to do to stay here? What are all the things that are required of me now? How many times do I have to go to church? What's the exact percentage of my income I have to give? Is it pre-tax, after-tax? How many teams do I have to need, do I need to be on? All these things that people, oh, this is cool. I'm totally messing up this message. That's the baptism. He's sending me uh, photos right now. And that's your son baptizing with him. So he's doing the baptism as well, too. That's Connor. You can't see that, can you? So I'll show this later. And uh, this is our uh, training program for pastors in our church. Get in the water with me and start baptizing people. That's how that works. That's what ministry looks like, guys. Okay? There's no waiting room. There's no... There's, there's no... Uh, anyway. Um, I love that. 
totally lost my train of thought. Many people think becoming a Christian is about a to-do list. It's not. Becoming a Christian means you are adopted into the family of God. It's hilarious because in our little church, still growing, we have had two different families that were foster parents, and they're both here, the Lions and the Schultzes. Dave's actually doing kids right now who became foster parents, and I had never really known a foster family before. I kind of knew about it, but didn't know I hadn't known anybody that did it. And through the process of fostering, adopted both of those kids. Those kids have gone from you're here maybe for a weekend to no, you are a Lions. You are a Schultz. You're a part of our family. It has taught me more about the heart of God for us than I think anything else. I think I've learned more about it than they have. You know, because I realize God wants to adopt us. And when you get adopted into the family of God, there are some things that you can now expect. There are things that come with the package. And when I say expect, it's not expectations of you. Yes, there are certain expectations I have of my kids, but what they can expect from me is so much more than what is expected of them. Now, I've got three teenagers in my house. I love teenagers. I love having them in my house. Sometimes when you ask them to do some things, and my kids are really, really good. If you're trying to figure out which kid is mine, he's the one that's just developed an obstacle course out here and has your older kids timing themselves, running all over the place. I claim that. That's my son. He is of my spirit. So your kids will be sweaty, but they will nap well today when they get home. But sometimes you give your kids things to do, and they're like, oh, I got to do so much. And I'm like, you do so little in this house. Like, if you have any idea what your mother does in this house, you would not be complaining about the very little bit that's asked of you. And God goes, huh, sounds familiar. Do you have any idea what you have from me that you don't realize because you live in my house every day. You don't realize the things that I have provided for you. And what's asked of you is nothing in comparison to what's been given to you. That's what it means. We can expect some things of God. My kids can expect to have a roof over their heads. They can expect to have a, a bed to sleep in. Hopefully they made it the morning of. They can expect to have food on the table and they know they can expect me to love them no matter what they do. They can expect that. When we're a part of God's family, there are certain things we can expect. And so that's, that's what I've been taking us through. And I'll just briefly share some of the things I did last week. Uh, you can get it on the podcast or the YouTube channel. Shameless plug for those two things uh, if you want to catch up on it. But the first thing I talked about last week was we can expect friendship with God. Friendship. And Romy speaks on this way better than I do, so I'm not going to teach on that. Um, she's actually going to do her dissertation on that very topic but in John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I have called you friends. God wants to be our friend, our friend. We can also expect joy in any circumstance. We talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent on what happens to me. Joy is dependent on what's happening in me. And God wants to bring joy out of us as a fruit of the Spirit in all occasions. That means when all hell is breaking loose, when you lose 95% of your business in one week, you're feeling the pressure, but what's coming out is joy because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of the flesh. And the Spirit is not inhibited by the things that happen to us. It's only inhibited by what we allow to work in us. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, hope, or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. So if the right thing is working in you, then the right stuff is coming out of you. That's the difference between joy and happiness. We talked about how we can expect God to respond to faith. There's a story of this, this woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8 that she pressed through the crowd, pressed through all the, the, her own physical ailments. She pressed through all of the cultural things that would have kept her away from that crowd and knew that if I just touched the hem of his garment, I would be healed. That faith is what pushed her through. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, your faith has healed you. And Jesus was on his way to heal a guy named Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, was on the way to heal his daughter when all of this happened. But in the process of being interrupted by this woman who reached out in faith, Jairus' daughter died. And they're telling Jesus, or they're telling Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. Don't worry about it. Jesus, hearing that, looks at Jairus and says, don't listen to them. Your daughter's going to be fine. And these two stories are linked together because he's wanting Jairus to understand the faith of this woman that reached out and got her healing. These two stories happen at the same time because Jesus is trying to get Jairus and his household to have the same level of faith that this woman who reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And Jairus did, and Jesus goes to that house, and the girl is raised from the dead because of that faith. We can expect God to respond to faith. And there's moments when God will put things around you to show you that he's faithful to increase and stir up your faith so that you can believe him for miracles. And it's easy to see the things happening around you and go, well, why isn't it happening to me? Well, Jesus is telling Jairus, the whole point of it happening around you is so you can see that it can happen to you. Have faith. God will respond to your faith. He loves to be, I don't, it's a tough word maybe, but tested. What's that? Reminded. Yes. God loves it when you step out and believe him to do what he said he was going to do. That's the recap. We also talked about signs, wonders, and miracles. Which, by the way, tonight we're going to have our next house church is actually at our house. The, The original email had the wrong address. I put down my parents' address, which is where I grew up. You ever just automatically fill in your your, uh, address you grew up in? So if you show up there, they'll welcome you in. Um, But maybe that's the way we just launched another house church on Sunday nights is one at their house and one at my house. So I did send an updated email. We're going to pray for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a potluck at five. We're going to worship, but we're really going to believe uh, for people to get filled with the Spirit tonight. So if you're not yet or curious about it or you want to help us believe for other people too, then by all means, please come out. Because on the back of that is signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me talk about some of these today. Can I do that? What else can we expect about being part of God's family? We can expect healing supernatural, amazing, miraculous. The doctors can't explain it. I don't have an answer. Miracle healing. We can expect healing. Not hope for, not dream, not maybe wish. It's just like Sarah being pregnant. She is expecting a child. We can expect healing by being a part of God's kingdom. 
Now, how many of you have prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? How many have been prayed for and you didn't get healed? Does that mean that healing doesn't exist? Does that mean that healing can't happen? No. But there's sometimes in those moments of praying for things that don't happen that teach us the very nature and character of God in that process. This will be challenged. I promise you, your belief that we can expect healing from God will be challenged. I remember, um, how old am I? 49? Nine years ago, uh, my brother suddenly had a heart attack and was in the hospital, um, not yet brain dead, but he was on life support. And we stayed there for, what, five days or something like that? Three days praying and believing for him to be healed, to, to, uh, that he would wake up, that everything. And in the end, he died. He passed away. And I remember that feeling of, I know that I can expect healing. But yet the thing that I wanted healing for the most didn't happen. Now, I have pastored people through those kinds of situations. But it was kind of the first time this really hit home for me. And I believe it was a test of me. Am I going to really believe God when I didn't receive the thing that I had hoped for? But something interesting happened in me. And I promise you, this isn't because I am the pastor, the man of God, some great person of faith. I was surprised by this, okay? Because I thought I would be crushed. And how could I ever pray for somebody else to be healed when the thing that I believe for the most didn't happen? But I found this stirring in me, this stirring. I don't remember what day of the week it was when he passed, but I was in church that next Sunday. And for some reason, I was the one that did what... uh, Yasmina did. I was supposed to come on the back of worship and just kind of encourage people and transition to whatever the next thing was. And I stood up and looked at a room of thousands and I felt this stirring to pray for healing. And then the enemy goes, who do you think you are? You know what happened last time? And I went, no, it welled up in me. And we prayed strongly for healing. And we're calling out words of knowledge for people in the congregation. And many, many people got healed that day. And I'm on the stage with the microphone, pressure on, right? And I hear the Lord going, I told you, I told you, you can expect this of me. The expectation for healing will constantly be challenged. But here's what I've discovered in that process There are way more ways people can be healed than reasons why they don't. Because I'm like you. Maybe I'm not. Maybe you're in a better place of faith than I was. But I'm going, why, God? When I pray for somebody and they die, why didn't they get healed? Why didn't they get healed? He goes, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not why did they didn't, but how can they be healed? How? There are many more ways. I've seen people. I was at a conference and... The, the guy talking was, he's all about joy. And he goes, I don't want you to lay hands on anybody, but if you need healing, put them in the middle. You remember this? Put them right there. And I just want everybody around them just to dance joyfully. Just be joyful and dance around them. And I'm like, okay, this is weird, right? But I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to talk about weird. I'm so past the point of worrying about what's weird now that I'm like, I'm going to dance and joy. 
And he goes, who's healed? And like half the room was like, I'm healed. And I'm like, hang on. Nobody prayed the prayer of faith. Nobody laid hands. They just got an atmosphere of joy and got healed. What? To, and I knew some of the people that were sick. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? And the guy was like, you know, you can be healed just through joy. Just by unleashing joy, you can be healed. And I went, okay, I've never seen that before. How else can people be healed? Is it my faith? Is it their faith? Is it the faith of something else? Is it just the goodness of God? And God's going, yep, 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 yep. Make a list. Keep adding on. There are so many more ways people can get healed than reasons why they don't. Is it forgiveness? Does that have a key? Yes. If they forgive, they can be healed. Yes. If they have uh, uh, someone with a gift of healing, they can have their hands laid on them and prayed for and they'll be healed. If someone has a gift of faith, by the way, the gift of faith, different from the gift of healing, can also bring about a miracle and they can be healed through a gift of faith. They can be healed through a prophetic word. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many more ways people can be healed. And so when I pray for people now, it's not just about learning how to fight for healing. It's learning to expect it. Now, if I'm expecting healing and the person doesn't get healed, I'm not worried about God's reputation. I don't have to explain he is good. I don't know why he didn't. I'm just like, we're going to try something else. We're going to try again. We're going to move out in this, and we're going to believe God, and we're going to trust him for this. As a result of this, our church healing have become pretty. Is it, though? Common. We're more surprised when people don't get healed, aren't we, Don? And we've had five people in our church so far healed of cancer. Two of them stage four. One of them is her sister. I haven't shared that with you, her sister Karen. We went down, and uh, they have a, a venue down in Norfolk, and we just wanted to pray over their venue because as their business expanded, um, oh, boy, timing, right? They have this amazing venue down in Norfolk, and their business is catering, it's events. And then right before they finish the build out and close, COVID hits and they lose most of their business because it's all event-based, believing God to get it back twofold. Timing's not real great. And her sister was going through cancer so bad, it was breaking her bones. That's how bad the cancer was. And so we went, well, can we pray for Karen? And so Karen came and I'm like, we're praying over a building, but it was only four of us, I think, that were actually there. Uh, was Norm with us? And No. And then Norm, Norm was one of the guys who had been healed of stage 4 cancer. He shared his testimony a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not the one, the man of faith, praying. I said, Norm, would you pray? And we prayed for Karen. Karen, you share the report because I don't want to share it inaccurately. She is... Her numbers are in the normal range. And I know it takes some time for them to say healed. Doctors hate that word. Yeah. She couldn't walk. And she's, we're going to say healed. She's healed. We're believing, we're believing for continued healing for that sort of stuff. And honestly, like I sent out the text to the people who were there, and they're like, praise God, but it wasn't surprise. It wasn't like, really? It was like, yay, of course she is. Because we expect that sort of stuff now. Does that make sense? And so we're believing for more. Stop asking why and start asking how. That's the difference it made in me. 
I wasn't asking why aren't they. I started asking how can they, and it's changed everything. Here's another one. What else can we expect? We can expect God to do what he said. Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? Do you know how disappointing it is when people don't do what they say? In our culture, it's, hey, I'll give you a call. Well, I'll text you. I'll give you a call. And I had to watch that because it's, it's the not knowing how to end a conversation. Hey, let's get together for coffee. Hey, I'll give you a call. We were talking about somebody earlier. It's always like, hey, let's do lunch. And I genuinely believe people mean it when they say it. But it's now become so offhand when people say, hey, let's grab a coffee. It's like we're never going to have that coffee, right? <laughs> I'm cautious about that. I don't use those words. Because if I say I'm going to do something, I want to do it. Trust is currency. It's currency in business. It's currency in relationships. And I want to make sure that if I say something, I'll do it. So I'm careful I don't say things I can't do. And I've had to do some things that I said that were painful because I committed myself to something that only to find out later, I didn't double check with Romy to make sure I could do that thing. And I'm like, I have now, this is going to cause me pain to have, but I'd rather go through the pain of fulfilling what I said I was going to do than just not show up. But God's not like that. God doesn't say, let's have coffee. He doesn't say, I'll give you a call and then not do it. Isaiah 55 verse 10 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I'm so glad that when God says something, he does it. His word does not come back empty. We have three Yorkies in our house. Pray for me. I wanted a Rottweiler, and I got three Yorkies, which don't equal half a Rottweiler. But my kids and my wife are very, very happy, so that makes me happy. But I remember... um, We had two litters because for some reason we had the bright idea to have a male and a female. And so two litters later, um, our birthday present, our our Christmas present to our kids was that we kept the runt of the second litter, right? And now I've got, I didn't want one. I've got three now, right? And so now we've got three Yorkies in the house and they were so excited that they were able to keep this, this, this runt who wasn't really going to make it because she wasn't feeding and you know, it was a larger litter, and often the runt and the larger litter, sometimes they don't make it, and so I'm having to prepare my kids for, okay, I got to, if this one doesn't make it, this is nature's course, and all these life lessons, and my kids were like, nope, and my son was putting his hands and laying hands and praying in tongues over this little puppy every day, and pretty soon she starts feeding. She's like pushing her way in, and boy, that hasn't changed um, with the other, her other siblings, and she made it, and she thrived. But then one day, we have a sliding glass door in our, in our kitchen, and somebody was going through the door, and I keep telling them all the time, don't slam that door because those puppies don't know not to go through the door. And Ruby stuck her head in, and bang, it went between the glass door and the wall. And she's laying down in a puddle of blood, this tiny little runt of a dog. She's tough, but it definitely looked like she wasn't going to make it. And so I'm actually... Big surprise. I was on a bike ride when this happened. But as soon as I pull up to the car, which was down the street here, 
to put my bike in, my phone rings, and all I could hear was Romy barely getting words out and my son praying in tongues as loud and as hard as he can in the back seat. And I'm like, and I just heard Ruby, and I went, as a dad, <laughs> glad it's not one of the kids, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, seriously, you know what I mean, those moments. And, and she, she said, Ruby's hurt, we're at, so okay, I'll meet you there. And so we, we, we show up to the vet, and they're in this room together, and we're getting all the horrible news from the doctor that she's probably not going to make it. So here, long story short, she's probably not going to make it, but to give her a chance, it's going to cost you about $10,000. And so, Romy, I'm telling your story, aren't I? Romy goes back to the bathroom and goes to wash the blood off her hands and hears the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to give you this dog back healed and whole so that you'll believe everything else that I've spoken to you. Now, there were some pretty big things God had been speaking to her that she had not told anybody. They were the kind of things that... I'm not saying she was questioning God, but it was not something we could have made happen, and it was big, big stuff. Some of it was good stuff. Some of it was not so great stuff. But he said, these things are going to happen. Even the not-so-great stuff wasn't about us. But he wanted us to know about some of the things that were coming so that we could be prepared for ministry as a result of that. But he had been speaking. She'd only told me these things, hadn't even told anybody else. And as she's washing her hands, he says, I'm going to give you your dog back healed and whole so that you'll believe everything else that I've said. So we go back in and have the conversation with the vets. And again, another long story short, she made it through two nights. They waved, like they said, because I said, I don't have the money for this. And they said, if you let us keep her another night in this oxygen tent and we pay for it, would you let us do it? I said, you pay for it? What? And my mom and dad, I don't know if you knew this, dad, but my mom and dad actually paid for the vet bill, which was about $1,000, $1,400, something like that, because we didn't have the money for that then, right? Um and they, she made it through the night. And then she survived. And then they said, well, she's going to be kind of brain damaged. And her eye won't close, her eyelid, not fully. So that we're probably going to have to remove her eye. And I'm thinking, well, she survived. And Romy looks at me and she says, healed and whole. Not healed and blind. Not healed and brain damaged. Healed and whole. And so over the process of the next couple of weeks, the eye fully closed. So that because if you can't close your eyes, you can't water your eyes and it dries out. And to this day, she may be dumb, but it's not because of the sliding glass door. <laughs> but she is healthy. Her eyes work. She is ornery. She bosses the other two around. And she's healed and she's whole. Now, do you know one of the things that, remember I said, God told her, I'm going to give you back her healed and whole so that you'll believe everything else I said. One of the things that God is speaking to her, you're sitting in right now. It was Seashore Church. He says, I'm going to begin a new work in you. And it's going to be a church. And it's going to be a place that's like family. That when they gather, they're not going to know whose kids are whose because everyone's just family together. You are the picture. You are the promise. You are the fulfillment of what God had said. I'm grateful that God does what he says he's going to do.
It's why it's so important that you hear from him for yourself. Does that make sense? He will speak to you. And when he does, he will do the very thing he said he was going to do. If he said it, it's going to happen. When God told the sun to give its light, it hasn't stopped. It's still shining now. And I'm standing on things now that he said he would do but haven't happened yet. God doesn't change. Circumstances do. And I want to be obedient to the now. So the last thing I want to do with you today before we close is because God will do what he says, we can also expect to hear his voice. We can expect it. We can expect it. John 10 verse 4 says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So I want us to do something this morning. This is where you get to play a part. Because this week, funny enough, I actually have a meeting this week with some very influential city leaders. Oops, I lost my place. And I've been praying about this particular meeting coming up because some of the things that we're going to be talking about are actually pretty important for our city. And I was thinking as I came here this morning, I wonder if God would speak to you about some of the things that I may have a, I may get a chance to speak to these influential leaders in our city, people that can shape what this city looks like in the future. And so here's what I want you to do. If you've got a pen or a paper, or if you've got your own phone or something you can write on, I want you to ask God. And when I say ask God, sometimes it's ask him, but just pay attention to what comes to your mind. What is it you think God would want these city leaders to know? If you could communicate anything from the heart of God to these leaders in our city, what is it that you would say? And I want you to write it down. We'll take a couple minutes. This will be awkward for the podcast because we're going into silence right now. But if you're listening, you can do this as well. What is it you think God wants? And write it down. Sometimes it's just a word, literally a word, right? Remy and I have been talking about sort of going back and teaching on some of the things that were really fundamental in that first year of our church, foundational as far as gifts of the Spirit and hearing from God. And I think at times we've made the assumption and forgotten that some of the foundational things, um, that people know them. And I realized a lot of you have come since then, so we have to continually teach those things. And so we're working on some formats to do that. Um, but that's coming. We're going to probably transition some of these Friday and Saturday and Sunday nights, and it's always evolving and growing into new ways of doing things, but we want to equip, don't we? So we're excited. Yeah, we want to equip, not quit. That's good, David. I like that. That's a preacher right there. Everybody got something? I think most of you are still writing. That's cool. So that meeting I've got this week with very influential city leaders, you're sitting in it. 
you are those leaders. You are the ones that God has anointed to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to bind up the brokenhearted. You are the leaders that will change this city. You are the ones that you just wrote about. When you begin to hear from God and hear his voice, the first person you're going to hear from God for is you. So I want you to have back a look at your list because that is what God has spoken to you about you. That is God speaking to you about you. You are the leaders. How many feel tricked right now? How many just deleted half of what they wrote down? You need to repent in Jesus' name. Maybe it's true. Anybody get a rebuke? No? It's okay if you do because I've been rebuked by God. And when I do, I thank him for it because it's in love. Right? When I rebuke myself, it's not usually in love. I really want you to see this as God's word for you. Oh, my gosh. We open the city, not the government. Do you see that? We open the city. The prayers you pray open pathways. It opens doorways. It opens people's hearts. It's been funny, but our church has grown pretty well through COVID, and it's because there's an opening that's happening in people's hearts and in their spirits to the things of God. So, hey, keep that. Keep that. Find a place in your Bible to stick it in. Find a note to put in that. I've got an old Bible somewhere that my mom wrote two scriptures in back when I was waiting on my LSATs to come in, and it's still in my Bible, and I read it every day because it's a promise over me. Yes, I took the LSATs. I know that's shocking. Um, But those things you can come back because God will do what he said. He will. You all have heard from him, and he will do what he said. Trust him in it. So either next week or maybe a week after that, I don't know who's actually preaching next week. I want to talk to you about how to build this kind of expectancy in your life, how to get to that place, because maybe you feel like I'm not quite there yet. Maybe I haven't yet come to expect those kinds of things. I'm still at the wishing and hoping phase, but I want to move into expectation. We're going to do that in a couple of weeks. It might be Romy or somebody else preaching next week, um, but I'm going to finish out this series on that very topic. But for right now, I want to pray for you, can I? So would you actually just put your hand over your heart? And Jesus, I thank you. And come on, pray this over yourself. Father, help me to hear from you just like I did today. Help me to have the courage to stand on your words, to walk on your words, to live according to your word. It's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It lights up where my feet are, and it lights up where my feet are going. So let me stand on that word, God, because you will do what you say. Speak to me in the night season. Give me dreams of you. Give me dreams of the future. Speak to me prophetically, Lord God. Speak to me about me. As David prayed, see if there's any unclean way within me. Search me and know me. Because when you put your finger on things in my heart that don't belong, it's so that you can remove them and replace them with your goodness and with your spirit so that we can open a city. 
And we pray for an open city in Jesus' name. We come against every work of the enemy that would keep people in fear, that would keep them in doubt, that would keep them questioning. We come against the spirit of fear for those who wear masks. We come against the spirit of the fear for those who don't wear masks and are afraid of what everybody else is thinking. It's the same spirit with a different manifestation. And whether people... Regardless of what they do as regards to regulations and everything, God, we come against any spirit that is not from you. This city belongs to Jesus. We're claiming it now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your spirit-filled sons and daughters sitting in this room, bringing freedom for captives, bringing release from darkness for the prisoners, and bringing heaven to earth now. Not when we die. Heaven now, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.